Well, this is um, actually the second Sunday of the new year. Typically, it's the first Sunday that we uh, pray for our business people at the end of the service. We will be doing that today, so don't dart out the door. And hopefully, um, the preacher will finish in time for us to do this in a timely manner today. Uh, he's hard to get along with, but, you know, we'll do our best. Um, of course, we had Brother Dave Reaver with us last Sunday. Isn't he always a joy and delight? We love Brother Dave. So, but we're doing that today. We're praying for business people, just asking God's favor and blessing to be on you for 2022, and I'm sure you would like that. 2022, we have determined that our theme for this year is God is with us. Can you say it with me? God How many are thankful for that, that He is Emmanuel? We're going to share a little more on this idea tonight in the prayer service. Um, what happened is on the last Sunday of 2021, two weeks ago, we delivered a message to you called God is with us. The message was taken from Isaiah's prophecy in Isaiah chapter 7, which says, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, which of course we know means God is with us. It was in the process of um, preparing that message that I really felt the Lord begin to speak to my heart um, about that phrase being that which we would carry into 2022. You know, I, I don't, um, this idea of us having a theme, I, I don't force that. I don't, you know, if the Lord didn't speak something, it would be nothing. But, um, but he has usually given us something, that just a word that hangs over us for the year in a positive way. And uh, it, was, it was then I began to think, you know, as we embark on a new year, what is more important to know? What is more important to be assured of than to know that God is with you? How many of you are thankful that God is with you? So that's our theme for Bethesda for 2022. God is with us. Um, one of the things that strikes me about this phrase is that it can be declared corporately, God is with us, and certainly can be a statement for each of us as an individual. God is with me. God is with you. It can be a word of encouragement that you speak to someone. The next time God has you ministering to someone who is discouraged or down or, or facing a very difficult time. And, you, and I'm sure you've been in that situation like I'm often in, that, you know, Lord, give me a word. What, what, what do I say? These are devastating circumstances for this person. And sometimes the only thing you can do is say, you know what, my friend? God is with you. God is with you, which means you're going to make it and you're going to th get through no matter what. And the reach of this phrase extends to us no matter what season you find yourself in. And how many of you know that every one of us are in some season today, uh, some season of some kind, though yours may be different than mine, but it doesn't matter what season you're in. The truth is God is with you. Can you say hallelujah for that today? And not only that, but God is with us as a fellowship. So put your hands together and just bless the Lord Jesus. I love to hear that golf clap at least once every Sunday. Take your Bibles, please. And I'm going to ask you to turn once again to the book of Isaiah. We're going to go to that familiar chapter 40. The book of Isaiah, chapter 40. 
And I am beginning with verse 28. I do have a goal this morning. My goal is to put a focus on this idea of the seasons of life, particularly as given to us by the prophet Isaiah, as which we will see here in the 40th chapter of his book. So my goal is to put a focus on the seasons of life, hope that each one of you, and I think you will, will identify with at least one of these seasons of life and discover the grace that God makes available to us in those seasons, even as he fulfills his promise to be Emmanuel, God is with us. I'm going to um, do something I don't normally do. I'm going to read today from the good old King James Version of Scripture. (laughs) And all of the senior citizens just said, hallelujah. I heard you all the way up here. Sorry, Frank, to call you a senior citizen, but I I heard you. Most Sundays, I read from a newer translation. There are some uh, translations that happen to read well in public, in public reading for for the group. Uh, But you know what? And I'm sure I'm going to get some agreement on this. There's just some passages that seem to lose a little something when it's not read from the King James Version. Imagine Psalm 23 in any other way. Imagine, um, well, in probably whatever your favorite verse is, Romans 8, 28, whatever it is, imagine it. Um, I think actually two weeks ago when I preached, I preached from the King James because I, I, I just love the beauty of the verbiage. Well, today's certainly that's true. This, this passage from Isaiah 40 is certainly one of them to me. And it goes like this. Hast thou not known? Isn't that a great way to start it? Hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is he weary. And you know what? There's no searching of his understanding. You can't even measure the depths of his understanding. Folks, I could stop here today. It would be enough reason to give glory to the name of the Lord. Fainteth not, neither is weary. There's no searching of his understanding. But he giveth power to the faint. And to them that have no might, he increaseth strength. There ought to be a little hallelujah in there somewhere. Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. You old timers. Shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Who's thankful for the Word of God today? Earlier in that chapter is a phrase I love to sort of seal the reading of the Word. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the Word of our God shall stand forever. You are in a particular season this morning, whether you like it or not. I am in a particular season this morning, whether I like it or not. But the good news is, 
that there is grace for whatever season you and I find ourselves in, no matter what that season is. Typically, our season is linked, at least in some way or in part, to our age. If you are young, you are probably a student. That's the season that you are in. If you are an early adult, you may be finishing your education, you may be approaching or contemplating marriage or, or your, the beginning of your career. If you're in your 20s or 30s, you may be in the season of raising young children. If you are in your 40s, you are most likely dealing with teenagers and need a double portion of grace. Most of the 50-year-olds that I know are just now figuring out that it's time for you to act like an adult. Even though you don't want to, everything within you is resisting it. You can't believe that you're that old and that you can't be a kid anymore. And if you're in your 60s, you're having to deal with all kinds of issues that hit a little too close to home for me, and I don't want to talk about it. You're in some season of life, just like I am. Um, could be that you're in the season of being the caretaker of a loved one or a parent. Many of you are doing that. Many of you this morning are in a season of grief, having lost a spouse, lost a parent, lost a child, or lost a loved one. But no matter what your season is, I bring you back to our text, which says, He giveth power to the faint. And to them that have no might, he increaseth strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord, they that hope in the Lord, they that look to the Lord, those who depend upon the Lord, those who know that God is with us, shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles shall run, not be weary, shall walk and not faint. Now, if you look back at the first verse of our text, which is verse 28, you'll see that Isaiah begins to this particular passage of talking about some of the names of God. He says, hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that, and here we go, the everlasting God, say that, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth. He is enumerating or setting in place very clearly who we're talking about here. He fainteth not, neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. And as we see Isaiah setting this passage up, we have to acknowledge exactly what he's doing. It is significant to see that God's names enumerate God's action. Whatever God is doing, his people give him a name corresponding to his actions. Now, as believers, we are to know him by his names because his names are an indication of his character. It's an indication of his nature. It's an indication of his actions. He is the everlasting God. He is Elohim Olam. Elohim Olam, which means he's the eternal one. That identifies God as the eternal one. He has no beginning. He has no ending. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the first and 
Our God is eternal. We sang about it this morning. There was never a time when he was not, nor will there ever be a time when he is not. He is the everlasting God. He is Elohim Olam. Who's with me this morning on that? So that's the first thing, the first name that Isaiah mentions. And then he goes on to say he is the Lord. That word Lord in our text is actually from in the, uh, as it's referenced in the Hebrew of the Old Testament, is Jehovah. This name identifies the Lord, uh, the way Jehovah is used here, it identifies the Lord as the self-existent one. That means that our God depends on no one or no thing for his existence. Am I telling you the truth? That's why his names include things like he is Jehovah Ra'ah, the Lord my shepherd. He is Jehovah Jireh. He's the Lord my provider. He's Jehovah Shalom as his name. He's the Lord my peace. He is Jehovah Rapha. He is the Lord my healer. Have I got a witness in the house today? He is Jehovah Sidkenu, the Lord my righteousness. He's Jehovah Shama. He's the Lord who is there. He's Jehovah Nisi, the Lord who is my banner. He is Jehovah El Elyon, the Most High God. He is God from everlasting to everlasting. And his names are an indication of his character, an indication of his nature, and an indication of his action. And here's the good news, Bethesda. Whatever you need this morning, Jehovah is there to provide for you. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Isaiah says in the A part, or first part of verse 28, that our God is the everlasting God and that he is the Lord. And then when she moved to the B part, the latter part of verse 28 and into verse 29, Isaiah then is moving from enumerating some of his names to identifying characteristics of God's nature. And this, this is where it gets really interesting. He begins telling us what he's like, what our God is like. Who loves the Lord here this morning? Am I talking to anybody interested in he fainteth not? That's his nature. Neither is he weary. There's no searching of his understanding. Speaking of his nature, let me throw a big old phrase at you. Our God is ontologically other. What does that mean? Ontologically other. It's a fancy way of saying there is no one like him. Nobody like him. He's not even to be compared to some other power. God is not just some force out in the universe. Can, can I just talk about him for just a minute? Talk about the nature of God, his nature, his actions, and his ways. And, I, and, and I'm curious to see if any of this lines up with your testimony. He is the personal God. He's not distant. He's not far. He's the personal God. He's the creator of the ends of the earth. There is no searching of his understanding. We've already seen. Can't even measure the depths of his understanding. He neither slumbers nor sleeps. That's his nature. And you know what? He is your keeper. He is your shade at your right hand. He's your high tower. 
that you run into and, and you're safe. He is your shepherd. He's your chief shepherd. He's your good shepherd. I may be talking to the wrong group this morning. I don't know. I, I think you will under, you'll identify with some of this. We're talking about the one he provides for you. He opens doors for you that are otherwise shut. He prepares a table before you in the presence of your enemies. He anoints your head with oil. Your cup is running over because of the goodness and mercy of God which keeps following you all the days of your life. He's a very present help in the time of trouble. Everything we have need of, church, God provides. Hallelujah to the Lord today. When we are down, he picks us up. When we are sick, he makes us well. When we are lost, he comes and finds us. And when we are low, he comes and lifts up our bowed down head. It's his nature. It's his nature. And everything I have need of, I can find it in God. Hallelujah. And that God is worthy of your worship today. That God is worthy of your highest hallelujah. That God with those names and that nature is the very reason you got up this morning and that you drove to this house of worship and came into this house to lift your hands and lift your voice in his presence to simply say what I have is because you gave it to me. Where I am is because you brought me here. Is there anybody here that came to worship that God who's the creator of the ends of the earth? Never faints. Never gets weary. Never tires of me calling on him. Never gets tired of listening to my prayers. Never gets exasperated with me when I show up today with the same problem I had yesterday. He never faints. He never gets weary. There's no searching of his understanding, Isaiah says. He gives power to the faint. And to them that have no might, he increaseth strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But, they that wait. Say that. They, now the extrapolation of that word wait in the Hebrew is they that hope in, they that look for the Lord. That's what wait actually means in the Hebrew. Those who, who hope in, those who are looking for, it's actually an active word. We think of waiting as a passive word, but it's an active word. It doesn't mean you're sitting around idly doing nothing. No, it means you're looking for the Lord in every situation of your life. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. Now, when you read this progression, which Isaiah delineates for us here, mount up, run, walk, 
you begin to recognize that he's pointing back to the kind of progressive verbiage used by the psalmist in Psalm 1. Let me link this together, which in that instance, Psalm 1, talks about the life of an individual who hangs around with the unbeliever. Uh, The psalmist says this in Psalm 1, blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of the scornful. Again, it's the metaphorical use of physical progression. That's how he's doing it. Now, I know that we are to be a witness to unbelievers. We are. This is not any kind of a statement that you should have nothing to do with unbelievers. We are to, we are to be a witness. I know that Paul instructs the Romans, how can they believe if they've never heard? How can they hear unless someone tells them? I know that Jesus was seen and known to be the friend of sinners. I understand all that. But I have seen far too many so-called believers use that as an excuse to hang out with believe unbelievers and satisfy their lustful desires for the things of the world. I'm just saying. So the question which has to be asked is this. Who is having the most effect on whom? When you're hanging out with unbelievers, are they being drawn more to Christ or are you becoming more like the world? Because I've seen it go both ways. And all too often, here is the progression when you as a believer interact with unbelievers. This is often the way it goes. First, you start to walk with them. You've got that still up. You start to walk. And then when, then, then, uh, when, when you slow down, they slow you down long enough to where you're just standing with them because they've slowed you down. And then when enough time passes, then you start sitting with them. And once it gets to that point, you will completely, you have completely stopped growing once it gets to that point. You will stop praising God. You will stop praying. You will stop having faith in what God can do. You'll stop going to church. You'll stop giving God glory in your life. You will completely stop letting God use you because you have walked with them. You have then slowed down to the point where you are standing with them. And then you will ultimately be sitting with them. And the psalmist says, blessed is the man who does not do that. Have I lost you this morning? Are you still here? But Isaiah says, if you will wait on the Lord, conversely, the opposite of what happened in Psalm 1 will take place in the child of God. We need to know the difference. There is another progression that takes place according to Isaiah, and I'm going to call it the seasons of life. God will give you, when you look at what Isaiah gives us, God will give you the grace to soar, and you will mount up with wings like an eagle. He will give you grace to soar. Have you ever seen an eagle in flight? It's a beautiful thing to behold. It has an expansive wingspan. I understand so much so that one flap of its wings can uh, almost seem to carry it for miles. An eagle, I'm told, can peer directly 
into sunlight and never even blink its eyes because of his strength, his agility, because of his power. The wind underneath him just causes him to soar. And when you walk with God, his power, his strength, his wind beneath your wings just causes you to soar. Now, something else interesting about an eagle does not need to fly through a storm because its wingspan is so expansive and his strength is so great that when storms come to an eagle, he does not have to fly through it, he flies over it. He just moves up away from the clouds. And when you walk with God, Bethesda, you will encounter storms in your life. There's no doubt about it. But God is able to give you the strength of an eagle to rise above your storm. I would think somebody would give a hallelujah to that today. You know what? I've been here a few Sundays in this church. I know there's more than a couple of testimonies in this room this morning of those who have been through some storms of life. I've had the honor of walking with you as our other pastors have through some very, very difficult circumstances. And I know some of you thought that storm was going to completely take you out. I've sat with you, as have our other pastors, when you weren't sure you were going to make it through the day, much less the week. But I've also been there to see that you've discovered that God gave you the strength and a grace that you weren't even expecting to not just fly through the storm, but to rise above it and fly over it. But when you've been through a storm and God has held your hand and brought you through some of the most difficult times of your life, can I just say, and oh, Bethesda, we need to know this and we need to live this. Your response ought always to be praise, always. I just need to put it out there straight to you today. I truly do not understand people that I've seen God bless them and they appear to be so ungrateful. I don't understand that. I just don't. Or seem to think that it was all because of, of them. I want to remind you, it's not by might. It's not by power. It's by my spirit, says the Lord. And when God brings you through something, you can try to polish yourself all up, clean yourself up and look all pretty and cute. But if you have any demeanor other than gratitude that is filled with praise, you are not doing what you ought to be doing as a believer in Jesus. If he's opened a significant door for you, a door that otherwise was completely slammed shut and there was no way that it was going to open, if he's opened a door for you, can you not give him some praise for that today? If he has made a way for you where there didn't even seem to be a way, why would you stand in silence? Now, if I'm talking about you, you can just go right on back to sleep. Pastor Des used to say, sleep on, beloved. You can do that. But I want to talk to some people this morning. I want to talk to people who, like me, who've been through some storms. I'm hoping I've got a couple of them in the audience today. That you've flown over some storms and God has given you the strength to soar. And you know what it is to mount up with wings like, like, like an eagle. You've had enough life experience. You've had enough journey behind you to understand what it is how God can carry you through and provide by the power of the Holy Spirit the wind that you need to carry you through the storm.
Mount up with wings like an eagle. Not a chicken. Not a goose. Not a turkey. Eagles don't hang around with chickens. You know, if, if you're an eagle, you got to watch your company. You really do. If God has given you wings like an eagle, don't walk around like a goose. Don't strut around like a turkey or a chicken. When God brings you through the storm of your life and allows you to soar with wings like an eagle over that storm, I just got to say, it, it's, it, that is a great time to make your praise visible and loud. And you and I both know the storms of life, just like the seasons of life, they're real. They're very real. Life happens. You soar in your youth. It's very much the experience of youthful exuberance and youthful excitement. That's great. You ever notice how fast young people do stuff? They walk fast. They, they text fast. They can get both thumbs going at the same time. I'm still one at a time. They're going to get both thumbs going. They think fast. They're always one step ahead of you, and they soar. But let me just tell you to the young people, if you keep living, you're going to discover that the season changes in your life. And then you're going to hit middle age. I know that sounds like an eternity away, but you're going to hit middle age. Have I got a witness here this morning? You're going to have bills to pay. You're going to have sickness. There's trouble, and there's a big old dose of heartbreak that takes place when you're in middle age. And you don't fly quite like you did when you were younger. Am I telling you the truth? But you've moved to a new season of life. And I want you to know God still gives you strength, and he's still giving you grace. Only this time, now you have, according to what we've read from Isaiah, now you've got grace to sprint. You were soaring before. You may not be soaring now, but you've got the grace to sprint. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. And you ought to thank God for that because there's times in life when your, your wings get clipped. Situations can get the best of you. You've lost a loved one and it just took the wind out of your sails. You thought you'd be at a different place by the time you got to this age and your dreams and all the things you'd hoped for have not even come close yet to materializing. God still gives you the grace to run this race called life. Listen to this old pastor today. God gives you the grace to run this race called life. The Apostle Paul says, know ye not that all of us run this race so that all can get the prize. And he says in 1 Corinthians 9, he says, I'm in this race. I'm not shadow boxing, some versions say. I'm not beating the air for show. But I beat my body that I might make it my slave. So that when I have preached to others, my greatest fear is that I myself should become cast away. The prize that I've helped others to gain, I could be disqualified for that very prize. Even though you're going through the storm and no longer able to soar on wings like an eagle, God still gives you the grace to run. 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 Does it get hard sometimes? Mm -hmm. But keep running. 
Did she flat out lie about you? Uh-huh. She sure did. But keep running. Did he talk bad about you? Trash you to your fellow employees at work? Yes, but keep running. You've got the grace from God to run this race. Did they speak evil of the good you were trying to accomplish and completely misinterpret the, the, what was a good expression from your heart? Yes, but you keep running. They don't want to see you succeed? Yeah, but keep running. Run. Don't get weary. Don't let them discourage you. Don't let the chickens and the geese and the turkeys in your life change your eagle mentality. There's your Facebook quote for the day. You want it again? Don't let the chickens, the geese, and the turkeys in your life change your eagle mentality. Because you've been called a sore like an eagle. Can I just say this? And you know, anybody can criticize. Come talk to me someday. I've got some stories. Anybody can speak scandalously about you because of what you did do or you did not do. But they don't know your story. They don't know the whole thing. They don't know how many storms God has brought you through. They don't know the struggles you've endured which have shaped the testimony you have today. Let me just give you something that's good to live by. The more God presses me, the more I praise him. The more I'm stretched, the more I need to be in worship. The more trouble that comes my way, the more I need to be on my knees before the Lord. Because God, in his wisdom and in his sovereignty, uses stress and trouble, pain and trial to draw me closer to him. And so I run so that I can finish the race. Paul says, uh, essentially, he said, I'm headed toward the back stretch now. The finish line is now in view. I can see it. I have fought the good fight. By the way, there's a difference in a good fight and a bad fight, but that's another sermon. I fought the good fight. I finished the race. Are you fighting a good fight or a bad fight? I fought the good fight. I finished the race, and I've kept the faith. Henceforth, there is a crown waiting on me, and not just for me, but to all those who have loved his appearing. It's not just for me, but for all those who also are finishing the race. And by the way, the race is not for the fast, not for the swift. Neither is the battle for the strong. But for everyone who can endure, everyone who can keep running to the end. And I don't know about you, but I want to keep on running. In spite of the pain, in spite of the fact that it hurts, in spite of my trials, in spite of my enemies, in spite of the obstacles that are in my way, I'm asking God to give me grace for 2022 to keep on running. Who's with me today? Some of you here this morning are soaring. Some here today are sprinting. But there's one more season of life for which God gives grace, and it's for many of us who are in at this point today in the room. There's quite a few of us here today who are strolling. <laughs> you mount up with wings as an eagle, that's soaring. You shall run and not be weary, that's sprinting. The last one Isaiah gives us is you shall walk 
and not faint. That's strolling. Did you see they all start with the same letter? Real proud of that. Hope you got that. Let me just, um, just plain and simple say it. I love every testimony that I hear of the grace of God. I think we're going to hear a couple tonight in prayer service. You need to be here for it. I love every testimony that I hear of the grace of God being administered to a brother or a sister. The dramatic ones are exciting. They're, they're thrilling. Uh, it reminds me of how good God is. But sometimes the best testimony you can give is not that God delivered you from some dreaded illness. Sometimes the best testimony you can give is not that God rescued you from a car wreck, as incredible as that is. Sometimes the best testimony is not even that God delivered you from drugs and alcohol, as amazing. Those are fabulous testimonies. And again, all of them remind us how good our God is. But can I just tell you the standout testimony to my ears? The one that will always get my attention is when I hear someone say, I've just been walking with God. I've just been walking with God since I was 15. I've just been doing what I'm reading the Word, being faithful to God since I was 13, since I was 20, since I was 25. I haven't been to jail. I'm just walking with God, and I'm still walking. Your testimony is not always what God has delivered you from. Your testimony could be what God has kept you from. King David said, The Lord who kept me safe from the grip of the lion and the bear. The God of Israel has kept me from doing evil. Oh, Lord, you have kept me alive, he said, that I should not go down to the pit. Paul said to the Philippians, God had mercy on me and kept me from having one sorrow on top of another. Of course, of course, of course, I have incredible appreciation for the dramatic testimonies and the great things, miraculous things that God has done and can do. I believe we serve a miracle-working God. But I thank God for the testimony of the saint of God who's just been walking with him day in and day out. Some of you have been walking with God since you were a teenager or even a small child. Your story may not be as dramatic as others. Maybe nothing outlandish has taken place, but you still have the testimony that God has given you grace to stay on course. Blessed be his name. Let me tell you why that's amazing. Because it's easy to get distracted. It's very easy to get distracted. It's easy to walk the other way. Trust me, the enemy of your soul is going to be there at every turn of the road to distract you and get you to go some other way. But when you walk with God, when you wait upon the Lord, He will renew your strength to give you grace to soar and grace to sprint. And when the time comes, He will help you just to walk with Him. Some of us... 60 and older, come on, we're just walking now. Let's be honest. We're not soaring. We certainly can no longer sprint, but undoubtedly, we can stroll. Sunday morning, you're just walking. At the hospital, (laughs) you're just walking. At the graveyard, laying mama down or loved one down, you're just walking. At all those doctor's appointments, you're just walking. Being faithful to the Lord, 
taking all that medicine, you're just walking. Am I talking to anybody today? You got adult children driving you absolutely crazy, you're just walking. I could have left that one out. It's been rough, but you're still walking. You get tired, but you're still walking. And to all those strolling folks, all those walking, how many, raise your hand if you're one of the walkers here today. All the walking folks, there's a song that comes to mind every once in a while to us strollers, and it goes, blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. I'm a, an heir of salvation, purchased of God, born of his spirit, washed in his blood. This is my story, I'm just still walking. This is my song, I'm walking because God has given me grace to soar and then to sprint and he's not left me alone. He still has me in the palm of his hand and I'm still walking by the grace of God. Somebody say blessed be the Lord for that. Had to cry, yep, but I'm still walking. Had some aches and pains, mm-hmm, but I'm still walking. And all you strollers, let me encourage you with this. When you Keep on walking. Here's what God will do. You remember Enoch? Enoch walked with God. And one day, God just took him. I, I picture that in my mind, what that, must, what that moment must have been like. And I, you know, I could be wrong, but I could almost imagine God saying, Enoch, we've been walking here together for a long time. And since we're closer to where I live than where you live, why don't you just come on and go home with me? And one day down the road here, folks, while I'm walking, singing all those songs that are in my head, I'm just going to walk right on home to be with the Lord. Because when you soar, when you sprint, when you stroll, at least you're headed in the same direction. Pastor Dez used to say so often, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter so much that you fall down along the way. Everybody gets all shook up when that happens. What matters the most is that when you get back up, you get back up with your face toward the Lord and that you, you're in the right direction when you get back up. That's what matters the most. Those of you who are today feeling dis discouragement because you've fallen, you've been disappointed in yourself, you're disgusted with decisions you've made, things that you've done, actions that you've taken. If you've fallen, I'm sorry about that. Get back up. But get back up with your face toward the Lord. Walk on in the grace of God. Because He's the one who's given you grace to soar or sprint or stroll. So I just want to encourage you this morning. Don't turn back. Don't give up the race. Don't let your enemy get the upper hand for God is with you. Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends and the, of the earth, fainteth not, neither is he weary? Oh, there's no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increaseth strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But 
they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like an eagle. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. May God add his blessing to his most holy and infallible word in the name of Jesus. Thank you.